Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment. Hi there, ladies and gents, and welcome to our most recent episode of the Ethical Property Partners Sophisticated Property Investing podcast. And a very warm welcome to Pauline Chalmers. Pauline, back for a second episode two weeks in a row welcome i know i know get me (laughs) (laughs) good to have you uh, back with us pauline so in this episode ladies and gents we are going to be exploring the 11 biggest mistakes that people make when setting goals we're just starting our new year we're into the uh, first month of the year in uh, nearing the end of January now and a lot of people will have sat down and written goals and this episode is for you to take this list of 11 mistakes that Pauline and I have seen with clients with prospects with um, the people that we've worked with some of these mistakes we've made ourselves probably most of them Pauline if we're really Mm -hmm. honest (laughs) and and for you to look at your goals that you've written down for 2022 and beyond and to look at them and say have I made one of these cardinal mistakes because each time you make one of these mistakes it just makes it less likely for you to to be successful so um, I'm excited about this podcast if you haven't done so already please Go grab your goals for the year. If you haven't got your goals for the year, then grab a pen and paper because you want to be writing down these 11 mistakes. And if you have got your goals for the year, grab a pen to annotate them and amend them as we go through because I'm sure that you will get value from this. Can I just check? I've got nine, not 11. So, ladies and gents, I am lying to you. We have nine, (laughs) not 11. (laughs) I've overpromised and I'm going to underdeliver. Would have been better if I'd done it the other way around. We have nine of our cardinal mistakes. Thank you, Pauline. You were thinking. <laughs> I hope he doesn't come to me for number ten and number eleven. Yeah, That'd please don't funny. do that. <laughs> so we have nine mistakes that we uh, that we want to help you to avoid, ladies and gents. But before we do that, and before um, we uh, forget how to count, Pauline, I want to ask you a question. What would you say to someone who has never set any goals for themselves? So they might have had some dreams. They might have gone, you know, I want to play football for England. Or they might have said, I want to buy an Audi R8 this year. Or they might have said, I'd love for my son to get into that football team. But they haven't really sat down and written goals. What would you say to that person um, who is contemplating it? For a lot of people, they have dreams and dreams are are the place to start. When you're looking to get results, you want to start with your dreams and you want to dream big. But until you take the step to actually quantify those dreams and set some measurements around them, which is where your goals come in, they're they're always just dreams that are in the future. They're, They're very unlikely to come into reality. So it can be a little bit daunting because you've got to put your you know, goals are written down, they're, they're documented, they have, they have a structure to them, where our dreams are slightly um, broader, they're, they don't have a time set with them, for example. So, as I say, it can be a little bit daunting. So don't be daunted by it. And, and it doesn't matter where you start, how experienced you are, or how inexperienced you are, taking that first step and, and writing down goals will have you on the track, the trajectory towards achieving those. Without them, 
your you know your your fingers in the air basically. So as I say, it can be daunting, but also exciting. And ironically, the physiological sensation as to whether you're anxious about something or excited, your body reacts in the same way. So just relabel any anxiousness as excitement, and um, and give it a go. I like that, Pauline. I've never heard that before, but it makes complete sense. The physiological reaction. I like it. You're sounding like a scientist, <laughs> but very true. That makes complete sense. Yeah. So for me, guys, if you haven't set goals before, all I can do is speak from personal experience. It has made a world of difference to me. So if I'm honest, I think if I just followed my nose and worked hard, I think I would have been relatively successful in business um, perhaps relatively successful in property but nowhere near the results that I have seen by being as focused as I've been by having clear goals by having plans that follow those goals I think I've achieved oh not not twice as much or four times as much but many many times as much um by having those goals and the plans that, that have led to me achieving them so yeah if we can encourage you to do one thing it is to set some goals and this podcast hopefully will help you to set the best goals possible so without further ado pauline would you like to kick us off with our first mistake that we frequently see people making when you're starting out then it can be tempting to be very ambitious in your goals. You know, I want to earn a million pounds by the end of the year is, is being, and it depends on where you start from. But that if that's quite often we see our partners when they're first starting out or anyone we're working with is that they set their, their goals too high in the, certainly in the short term, short to medium term. And whilst we want, we want a stretch, you know, we don't want, we don't want, we wouldn't recommend anyone set a goal that is so easily achievable that that's a walk in the park. You want a stretch on it, but equally, you don't want a goal that is so far out there that you're, because what happens with your brain is you, there's there's no way of getting there. And it, and it's so deflating and demoralizing, and you're more likely to switch off from it through the first quarter, you know, halfway through the year, rather than keeping going towards it. So definitely the first thing, setting too high a goal, too big a goal in the the short term would be the the first thing I would say. So it's making it, um, as I say, that stretch, but, but not too big. And I've seen that so many times with uh, with clients where they've come to me and they said, for the last three years, I've wanted to do X and I've fallen so far short, I just feel worse. And sometimes they double their goal then they're like well if I wanted to do that last year and I didn't achieve it I'm going to double it because now I've got I've got to make up for last year and it just makes it more and more unachievable so yeah absolutely knowing your psychology guys and yourself if you like so I know that I'm super competitive so if I'm going to put down a goal that's really going to stretch me I want I know that if I make it competitive so I'm in a competition with someone at the moment to lose 10 kilograms of body fat now that's a pretty hard goal and I've tried it several times before and failed but the fact I'm in a competition it's just two of us we're taking our body measurements every week on a set day and sharing them with the other with each other it's amazing it's like right I'm not eating any 
junk this week because I'm going to win this week's win. challenge. Yeah, and exactly. exactly. Want to win. And, I, and some people that turn you off and you'd eat more junk food because you hate competition. But for me, that really um, floats my boat. And so it's about knowing yourself and about knowing what's going to motivate you and what's going to demotivate you. So I, I couldn't agree more with number one. Number two is overestimating again what can be done in a given week. So in the EPP planning system, we write down our goals for the quarter and then we plan the 13 weeks of the quarter in terms of what we're going to do towards each of those goals. And the idea being, if you do everything along the 13 weeks that you've set out to do, it should be impossible for you to not achieve your goal. So if you do X, Y, Z during the quarter, you're guaranteed to have achieved goal A. And then if you do X, Y, Z for goal B, you're guaranteed to achieve that. So all you have to do, you can almost forget about your goals once you're in your planning stage, you know, once you're in the the, the quarter or in the year, so long as you do your weekly actions. And the, the second mistake that we see a lot, guys, is we see people put too much in that week. So let's say you've got 10 goals. You don't need to work on each of those goals every week. In fact, you probably aren't going to for numerous reasons. So what we see is people put too much in a week and then they can't physically do it all. They stop doing some of it and then they think their plan is weak because they've put too much in the plan, but they think their goals are unachievable and their goals are rubbish. And that's not the case. The goals could be exactly the right goals, but they've overestimated how much they can get done in a given week. And that's very, very common. And then people go, well, I can't follow my plan. So planning and goal settings rubbish. I'm going to give up. And that's very common when people first start goal setting expect to make mistakes expect to set your goals too high expect to set them too low normally it's too high as Pauline said in number one and when you do your plan don't expect for it to be a perfect plan so I've been planning my quarters for so if I started in 2007 that's like 15 years nigh on and um, I've done four a year so that's 60 quarterly plans I've now done I think I'm pretty good at them now but you'd hope so after 60 but I wasn't very good in 2007 2008 when I was writing my first plans and so it's about not putting too much into each week and making it attainable for yourself so that's my second uh, mistake that I often see from newbie planners people that are planning and and goal setting for the first time and I think on that if you have been planning if, if if someone has some experience of planning and and has that experience of well the goals are unrealistic is to have a look at that and say well how many tasks realistically can I take on in one week um, and then and then move them around accordingly. So it's, it's a, that's quite a big one. Something else that we see is having their tasks completely outside their control. So it may be that, that our, our recommendation would be when they're creating their, their plan of the actions to take, that they, they ensure that these are tasks that they can control. So it's not something that they're relying on. It may be they've got to chase for something, but it's not relying on someone else completing something in order for them to because we, we color code highly visual we, we know that we can work on somebody's VA or, or their bias as a VAK and visuals is very high for people and the color kind of touches their kinesthetic a little bit so we, we want 
we want our our colors and our on our 90 day goals to turn green and the way to have that is to ensure that the tasks are within their control that they and 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 that they only have one task to complete within that particular um action that they're doing and that they're not all interdependent because if you fail on one you don't achieve one of them then you failed on that on all of it and that's not the goal that not the aim of it we're setting up our mindset so our brains think oh my god I, I set a goal I give myself a task to do and I do it that's it and then the following week they do the same thing and that keeps you on a trajectory towards achieving your goals rather than oh I haven't done that bit and I haven't done that bit and I haven't done that bit and I haven't done that bit our mind thinks that's what we do we just we don't achieve goals and we're doing actually the opposite of that so being very clear about what you set your tasks being entirely within your control and and not interdependent on each other either I couldn't agree more Pauline and we'll give you a recent example so on Tuesday I ran a small group goal setting review session actually for some of our most experienced partners so I sat down with I think it was four part five partners actually and what we did is we looked at the goals that they'd put into their quarterly plan and their annual plan for 2022 and a bit like we're doing with you guys now and what we did was we analyzed their three most important goals and then they could go away and use that analysis on their remaining goals and one of them in particular and I'm sure Maddie won't mind me sharing this so Maddie and I run the stepping stones um project we we head that up in in the UK and overseas and regular listeners will know that we launched stepping stones in Costa Rica last year I spent nine weeks out in uh, Central America and um, and uh, setting that up and this year we have the goal of setting up the stepping stones um, homelessness project in two new countries and Nepal has been very close to Maddie's heart for a long time and recently she has developed links with Albania so she had written down Stepping Stones is now running so the pilot phase is now running in Albania and Nepal and I, I had a problem with that, and it, this relates to your your third mistake that you see people make, Pauline, is that she can't control or we can't control everything to do with the Stepping Stones project being up and running in those two countries this year. There are so many things outside of our control, and a good example is just a few days before, and I, and I challenged her on it, and she said, well, actually, Nepal looks really unlikely to happen this year now. And I said, why? And she said, well, this is breaking news. But So this is on Tuesday, and on Sunday, it emerged that the Nepalese government are, um, I don't know what the technical term is, but kicking lots of foreigners and NGOs, non-government organizations, out of Nepal. There's uh, some political unrest and they're, they're getting rid of lots of non-Nepalese people out of the country. There's a word for it, but I can't remember what it's called, so kicking out will have to do. Um, <laughs> and, and so she said, so actually getting into Nepal now as someone who wants to do humanitarian work, which we'd probably be classed as, is really difficult and it kind of exemplified my point that it's not unrealistic so our first mistake that people make um, that you brought up was setting goals too high having two pilot phases 
of stepping stones running in two different countries is entirely realistic. That's fine. But the goal was set in such a way that it was unlikely to happen because if you only start a project in two countries and you expect two countries to be up and running by the end of the year, anything that goes wrong jeopardizes the goal. So in reviewing that goal and the way that Maddie and I are going to achieve it, what we said was, well, we'll kick off in four countries and we'll, we'll exclude Nepal for now because that looks almost certainly not possible for 2022. So if we, and we then looked at some other countries. So I have a, a team in Serbia. So perhaps we'll look at setting stepping stones up in Serbia because we now have full-time team members in Serbia that could help us with language and culture, etc. We'll do Albania, but we'll also look at some other countries. So perhaps Macedonia that, that borders Albania. The reason we were lumping them together as in doing geographically close countries is to make it easier to travel between them. But my point is by understanding, and this is your third mistake exemplified, understanding that some factors are outside of our control it doesn't matter how hard we work at Nepal right now, we're unlikely to be able to set up stepping stones there. So we don't know what the problem with Albania might be, if indeed there is one, or Serbia or Macedonia. It doesn't really matter. But there are likely to be problems, so we should incorporate that into our goal setting and the actions that we're going to take. So, yeah, it's a really good point, Pauline. Thank you. Mm. And, and as you say, if, you, if your goal is to be live and, and set up in two countries starting with two countries is, is is unrealistic because we know that economically everything's changing anyway in different countries and there's likely to be something that comes up that means that goal's not going to be achieved. So broadening the start point to make sure you, if that's a critical mass to achieve that goal at the end, then you're going to start with more countries. And it, it does show that you, what's it, is it a one horse no, one trick pony or something. I'm sure that's a thing that I've never really used before. <laughs> oh, that's you're making me say, you're making I, me say things that I'd never normally use. <laughs> you, it's catching, Pauline. That's a, that's a, that's a Frankism. That is. For, it is. For I think sure. it is. I think what I think what you're trying to say <laughs> is a one horse race. Is that what you're trying to say? So you oh, only back know. one I've, horse I've, in I've, the race? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it is. So that, but what that you're saying is, if, if you want a horse to come first in a race, you may as well. You're better off having four horses in the race than just one. That might fall over is that exactly something like that i get it we're, we're not very moving swiftly on, on shall we <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you listen to our last episode you'll uh, you'll know what we're talking about um the editor dropped me a message actually and said frank that that story about monkeys and um <laughs> i forget what the rest of it was you said it was golden i said yeah but was it golden in a helpful way or in a mockery way he said oh it's just really funny i was like yeah that wasn't quite the uh, <laughs> has, he le- has he left it in <laughs> he left it in apparently so yeah, you oh, can listen back good. to that. Will Gosh. Be good, yeah. So number four, number four on our mistakes list is underestimate. So we've had, so number one was setting your goals too high. Number two was overestimating what you can get done in a given week. And number three was being unaware of factors you can't control. So expecting to achieve a goal, even though there's lots of stuff that needs to happen for that goal to to be achieved that you can't control number four is almost in complete contradiction to number one and that is underestimating what can be done but this time not in the short term so not in a three-month period or a 12-month period but what we tend to do we tend to overestimate those instinctively 
But what we tend to do is underestimate massively what we can get done in a longer period. So in a five to 10 year period, and Anthony Robbins now talks about what can be done in a decade or four or five decades. And that's interesting because he has actually been at the pinnacle of personal development for four decades now, 40 years, which is absolutely incredible. And what one can achieve in those kind of timeframes is massive. And I frequently speak to clients and I, I say to them, look, you've done X, Y, Z over the last 12 months. Why are you trying to double that this year? Why not just enjoy the journey and do the same again? Because in 10 years time, you're going to be absolutely smashing it. You're going to be way ahead of any of your wildest dreams. And you'll have enjoyed the journey along the way. Because I think sometimes we can do this delayed gratification thing where we double down and work our socks off, exhaust ourselves, compromise our health and hit our financial goals. And then we can do the same the next year. And when do we stop? And the, the trap that I see some people get into is they then raise their expenditure. And this is very, very common in line with their financial results. So they're, they're working in a, a non-sustainable way. They're, they're working too long hours. They're damaging relationships. They're damaging their health, but they're smashing it financially. And often as society, we will celebrate those individuals. And I see it on EPP. I see it in other areas. If that continues for too long, those things are all going to suffer irreparably, health, relationships, etc. And what you might think to yourself is, yeah, but if you just did that for two or three years, and in our last episode, I talked about my spare tire. Well, actually, Pauline talked about my spare tire <laughs> and how I put on work when I, I put on weight when I was working too much. However, what we often think either consciously or subconsciously and I've had people say this to me is yeah but if I'm 25 or 30 or 35 or 40 I don't mind working my socks off for just a few years for four years five years or, or whatever it is three years saving up a ton of money and then I'll take my foot off the gas unfortunately that rarely works for starters your adrenal glands are probably not going to be able to then just switch off later you almost get addicted to that high it's interestingly my nutritionist did a whole battery of tests on me and she can tell from looking at them that I've put myself under quite a lot of stress over the last few years and I think about the last decade and a half I absolutely have I've thrived on it I've I've told myself you know that I can push myself further and further um, in terms of work and in terms of physical boundaries but actually then switching off and I'm training myself to do it and it's taking quite a lot of time but it's hard to then just switch off and go into retirement from a psychological and physiological perspective but that's not all from a financial perspective people rarely save what they think they're going to so when someone is earning 20 grand a year and they're living relatively frugally they think that if they started earning 40 grand a year they could save 20,000 pounds a year but that rarely happens what normally happens is they go from 20 grand a year to 25 and they work out how to spend the five. Oh, I've worked really hard. I'm going to go on that nice five-star hotel. There's my five grand. And then the next quarter, they earn another 10 grand more than they, they were expecting or five grand more than they're expecting. And they think, actually, I'm going to put that as a down payment on that car. And yeah, the car's a grand a month, but that's fine because I'm earning all this extra money. And 
oh, do you know what? We're going into a lockdown. I'm going to buy a jacuzzi for myself because I deserve it. I'm working so hard. And then they think, oh, it's winter. I could actually take the kids skiing and they do another five grand holiday. And before you know it, they were living quite comfortably on 20 grand and saving perhaps a grand a year or going a grand a year into debt, more often the latter. They go to 40 grand a year, but they're not saving any more than they were when they were earning 20 grand a year because they've found a home for all that money. And the psychology that I see a lot is, yeah, but I deserve this or even worse, I need this because I'm working so hard. But what they forget is you're only working so hard to get the money. If all you do is spend that money on what Robert Kiyosaki would call doodads, so on stuff that is just a hole in the ground or um, a, a luxury, you're actually just working your socks off, damaging your relationships with your kids, with your spouses, with your friends, damaging your health in order to spend more money, but not actually accumulating it and not actually getting the quality of life you want. So coming back to number four, if you, instead of running yourself into the ground now, take a long-term perspective. And on EPP, we talk about having a 10-year goal having goals in every area of your life for the next 10 years, all of a sudden you don't have to fit everything into the first quarter. You don't even have to fit everything into the next 12 months. You've got 40 quarters, 40 sets of goals. And people often will say, I want to earn, let me pick a figure out of the air. I want to earn 3 million pounds a year, take home in my bank account before tax, um, by the time I retire, and let's just assume that that's 10 years time. And at the moment they're earning 50 K a year, that, that would be a very, um, achievable goal. So th they've got to go from 50 K to 3 million a year over the next 10 years. Now, if you look at that, you'd say, well, you, sh what, what do they normally do? They go, well, if I'm at 50 K now, I want to get to 250 K next year. But if you think about it, let's work this out. Three million a, a year in five years, that'd be one and a half million. And if you s increase and if you um, split that down into five years, one and a half million, it's 300 grand a year. That's not far off, is it? 250K, you need to add 300 grand to your income every year for, for 10 years. But our goals, that that for me is an over estimation of what you can do in one year to go from 50 grand to, to 250 or 300 grand in 12 months is really really hard what's much more att attainable is to go from 50 to 100 this year and then the next year to go from 100 to 200 and then the next year to go from um, 200 to 400 and and you might be thinking yeah you're way behind now though Frank you're three or four years in but to go from 500k to 3 million is not that hard but to go from 50k to 500k that's that's a tenfold increase so people often underestimate what can be achieved in 10 years and you know the, the example that I just gave of, of weight loss people go my ideal weight is x it's 80 kilos or 100 kilos and I'm currently at 20% above that. So I want to hit my ideal weight in three months time. Well, that's yeah. hard. Losing 20% yeah. body weight is really hard in, in three months. But why? 
why don't you just give yourself a year to get to that? Take the pressure off because what you're likely to do to lose 20% of your body weight is to dehydrate yourself, to starve yourself, probably adopt a diet that um, does lose loads of weight but isn't sustainable for you, isn't con- isn't comfortable. And then you're going to yo-yo back up. So actually in six, nine or 12 months time, you're probably back at where you are now, 20% above where your ideal body weight. As opposed to the person, and it's a bit like the tortoise and the hare, the, the, the tortoise that goes, right, if I'm going to get there in 12 months, and let's just pick an easy figure and say it's 20 kilos, you know, a 100 kilo person is actually 120 because they're 20 kilos overweight. How much weight do I actually need to lose each month? Well, on average, if you lost, um, I'm going to film here, 20 <laughs> kilos over 12 months. So it's if you lost two kilos a month, you're going to be ahead of your goal, aren't you? Now, in the first few months, it's probably going to be easier for you. And then in the last few months, it's going to be harder. But if you just set yourself the goal of losing two kilos a, a, a month, which is still quite a, a, a lot, but it's a lot easier than losing 20 kilos over three months. And so what might you do? You might you know, drink more water. You might cut out alcohol. You might start exercising in 30 minutes a day rather than going well i'm not going to eat on any day that ends in a y you know well that's going to probably get you your 20 kilos but it's not sustainable so my biggest mistake that i see or one of my biggest mistakes number four on my list was underestimating what you can do in a long period of time can i just add something to that in the Absolutely. weight loss example you've got what, what you're also doing is you're building habits that are sustainable for the future and you can you're doing that in your business as well. Rather than cramming everything into which, as you say, it's not sustainable. Whatever your goal is, you want to be able to build on it month after month after month, rather than cramming it into the first quarter, failing at it or only partially achieving it. Which means you're going to switch yourself off and then not want to continue with it. So it applies to all goals, I think. The next one that we talked about was to do with actually looking at the structure of your plan. So we look at. 10 years you know we, we plan for 10 years and for some people that's quite challenging and then we bring it back to now so if you know where you want to be in 10 years and you can plan to get there 10 years and then maybe a, a, coming down to a one month goal and then we plan quarterly and when you get into the detail of planning quarterly one of the things you want to consider is how many days are you going to be working in, in that quarter so if you're working full-time in your business and you work five days a week then are you doing anything in that quarter that would reduce that time from five days to four or three or two in that particular week? So factoring any holidays, if you've got a long weekend or if the kids are on half term and even if you're not going away, but there's going to be an impact of them being at home with you where they're not normally, then you're not going to maybe perhaps as much have as much time to focus on your business. So you want to factor those in. We have a, a training day once a month which we had on Tuesday. So once a month we get together to do really intensive training with our partners. That has an impact on this week and how much they can achieve this week. So on this week, they plan to do 80% of what they would normally do in a full working week. And that's one of the first things we do when you look at the quarter, identify weeks where you're not going to do a full week and mark it accordingly, whether it's you're not working at all that week or you're doing 80% or whatever. And then you can structure your tasks and reduce them accordingly 
because you're not if you if you keep it at the same level you're never going to be able to do those tasks and then you're going to feel rubbish at the end of the week and if you feel rubbish you're going to feel demotivated if you feel demotivated you're not going to follow your plan then you're going to achieve less and it becomes a downward spiral you have to remember guys you're a person and <laughs> as if we're going to forget. But sometimes I think we treat ourselves like machines. So we can sit down at the start of the year, you know, sit down in January and go, right, I'm going to do this and this and this. I'm going to redecorate the house this year. I'm going to redo the garden landscaping. I'm going to buy that new car. I'm going to be a better husband to my wife. You know, we're going to go on a date night every week and I'm going to make sure I'm there for my kids and my business is going to double in turnover. And we're going to go on all those holidays we haven't been on the last two years. And before you know it, you've got an impossible task and even worse you could go tell everyone that you know kids we're going to do this and this this year and wife we're going to go do this <laughs> i wouldn't call her wife by the way you might want to use her first <laughs> name but <laughs> that might be uh, the start you don't want to the year but my point is you set yourself up for, for failure if, you, if you're not careful so those are the foreseeable things that are going to impact on your plan like like pauline says your monthly training days if you're an EPP partner or your holidays if if you're a parent or, or your holidays where you go on holiday if you're a, um if, if you're an adult and you're going away on holidays or your birthday exactly that, I like that's that that's when people forget like your birthday your birthday week you might want to take the day off for your birthday Factor or the week it in. why not exactly week. yeah and we week, give yeah. we give every one of our team members a uh, the day off for their birthday when it's when it falls on a working day yeah and that's and that's easy to do at the start of the year you just put it in your diary i'm off today but it's really hard to do the week before when you filled mm. that week with stuff so yeah exactly so number six my next mistake that i see people make is not planning in unexpected events and you might go well, hang on a sec frank if it's an unexpected event how can you plan it in but the thing is we are always being faced with unexpected stuff so um i'd love some examples from you pauline but for me it's unrealistic to expect me and my kids and my team to go through a whole year and to have no illness it's likely that I'm going to have a couple of days off or my kids are going to be off school for a couple of days, especially in COVID times, <laughs> 10 days at a time, um, or one of my team's going to go off. And so to fill every week of the year to capacity and not expect some illness, for example, is silly. It's folly. And it's as silly to do as not putting in the things that you can see. So I think that it's sensible to put in 80 90 percent of what you could fit into a perfect week in your normal weeks because there's almost certainly going to be a project that pops up that you didn't expect to prop up or someone needs some extra help or it's a team member if you've got a team leaves and you've got to replace them mm. or a supplier lets you down and you've got to go interview new suppliers or you're doing a building project and all of a sudden it needs a rewire that you didn't expect but you've only allowed this much time to manage it and you've only allowed this much time for the project to run um, and so just building in that contingency and, and I think 10 to 20 percent contingency is brilliant because if you get to 2 p.m on a Friday afternoon and you've finished all your tasks of the week brilliant go sit in that jacuzzi or go for a, a countryside walk or go down the pub, you know, celebrate, enjoy yourself. That's much better than working at 7pm on a Friday evening and thinking I still can't get everything done this week. Oh, 
why have I got such a long to-do list? I'm going to have to get up early tomorrow. I'm going to have to miss my son's football on Sunday morning or, or whatever it is. It's a much more empowering feeling to, to just have less planned in. And you are the only person that decides what goes into your diary. And yes, I've got a PA who does my diary so she can put stuff in my diary, but I'm still in control of it. I tell her what can go in and what can't. I tell her how many meetings I can have a week. I tell her who I'm willing to meet with, etc. And so the long and short of it is it's down to me. So would I, and this comes back to some of our earlier points, would I prefer to be busting a gut whilst I'm working or would I prefer to, and, and you know, and, and damaging those relationships, damaging my health, or would I prefer to be serenely floating through my week with plenty of time for breaks, plenty of time for exercise, plenty of time for buying healthy food, cooking healthy food, plenty of time to help my son with his homework if he needs a bit of help, plenty of time to sit down and, and, and let him cry on my shoulder if he's had a tough day at school, plenty of time for my date night or to surprise my spouse with X, Y or Z that she wasn't expecting. That's a much nicer way of, of living my life. And if that means I hit my goals in 12 years instead of 10, whoopee-doo, I'm, I'm up for it. And I think that expecting the unexpected and planning for the unexpected is a real skill and something that most newbie planners miss hmm. and and even experienced ones because that's something that, that comes with a, quite a lot of experience to recognize that unexpected things do crop up and and they are unforeseen and it could even be a new opportunity Absolutely, that you that, you, that yeah. comes across your desk that you know think oh my god my my diary is rammed so much I have no space to do this or which means I can't take on look at this new opportunity or I want to do the new opportunity which means something that you've identified has been critical for that week isn't going to get done so uh, both of them don't work um, when you when when it's when it's too full and you can I mean we've we run our training days in person and two things have happened recently, partly as a result of COVID and partly with the, as a result of the pandemic. You know, we, we've changed venues, which means going out to look for a new venue to run our training, which I hadn't expected to do. And that took quite a bit of time and planning. And if, we ha- if, I'd my, if my diary had been so full, I wouldn't have been able to do that, take the time out and go and source a great venue for us to utilise every single month. And... We've incorporated doing not just face-to-face training, but also virtual training and created a hybrid. Now, I am not a techie person, but we needed some time and space to create the setup that we wanted and then find a way to make it work. If if our diaries are too full, there's no time to do that, in which case in your business, you want to stay ahead of the curve. And and it's just creating that bit of space that you can do that, whatever occurs, It, it gives you the the headspace and the weeks that I know that I haven't been great at that and I and, I, and occasionally I still do it then my stress levels go up absolutely mm. go up so it's I don't have a great as great an experience of that week as what I do on other weeks and can I just say Pauline you did an amazing job on setting up the hybrid EPP monthly training days um guys if you've like ever been in a Zoom meeting and and there's a real meeting, an in-person meeting happening, and you just feel like you're observing it, um, I know how you feel. The way that Pauline and Amanda have set up our EPP hybrid sessions now are, are brilliant. You feel like you're in the room. So there's a camera 
um, looking at the presenter at the front and their PowerPoint screen and the flip charts. And then there's another camera looking at the room so you can see all the people working in the room. And then they've set up a massive screen with all the online people, all their cameras. So we in the room in person can see everyone on the massive screen and they can just like put their hand up and and um, the presenter can go, yes. And it's as if we've got now this massive room. Ian Jackson was there from Ireland. You know, he, he doesn't want to get on a plane and fly with a hundred people um, in a COVID soup canister for an hour over <laughs> from Belfast. Um, he wants to sit in the comfort of his own home and, and, and zoom in. And, and we've now got that facility. So Pauline, well done. And that's a great example of, it's not something that cropped up that was a problem. It was an opportunity. You know, you're like, right, people don't want to travel. How can we make EPP's training more accessible? How can we make it more efficient? How can we make it better leverage for people let's make it a hybrid model so they can choose whether they travel or whether they do it from home that was something you wanted to capitalize on and get going with and it oh how much time how many hours did it take you to go from that's a good idea to it set up in the room and working <laughs> a, lo- a lot a lot of hours and actually it was good fun actually i discovered that i really like technology and research and and i and i engaged a few people that i i really value their input because i know they're doing something similar so it was it was good fun it's good i love learning new skills and and it was only fun because you weren't jam-packed if you were jam-packed yes. it would have just been stressful and you would have been doing it at midnight and then it would have been a a, a very negative experience so yeah absolutely what have you got next for number seven uh, Num- number seven is around it's around accountability so if you think about it, if you set your goals, if you set a goal for a year and then you do a plan for a quarter, what's going to have you stay attached to that plan, stay focused on it, say, keep it keep it in your, you know, everyday have, being available to you and not just being on a spreadsheet stored on your laptop somewhere that actually you don't touch again. Because that's a waste of your time, isn't it? If you're not going to utilise it and leverage on it, then, then it's a waste of your time. So... What we do with an EPP is we it, the the ninety day plan sits within the overall progress log, how you're progressing towards your goals and and your you know your business goals and your life goals, and within that the accountability system of the focus sheet. So we have a, a focus sheet that's prepared by the partners that they they prepare at the beginning of the week and that's their plan for the week. What what are they going to focus? What's their focus areas based on all the work they've done already for their their weekly tasks for the quarter? What's going to be the top focus for for this week? So they they prepare that at the beginning of the week and they send it in to us. We don't get a big stick and beat them up if they haven't done it. But there's that there's something that happens when you make a commitment out here that these are the things I'm going to do has you you're more likely to do them and that's what we're looking for and then at the end of the week they record what they've actually done and they they say how did I achieve that yes or no we look at any challenges they might have had in the week so you spend a, you know a little bit of time reviewing your week to say right what 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 did I what did I achieve this week what challenges have I had so that when you go into the next week and planning again looking again at your focus areas you can take what was challenging from last week and put something in place to ensure that you overcome that the following week. So being accountable, putting in the work at the beginning, doing your plan and then being accountable. And then actually one thing I do is my on my focus sheet, the, my key focus areas, 
I put them in my diary. I make sure they're actually in my calendar because if I don't put them in the calendar, preferably at the beginning of the week and leave it until the end of the week, then things do crop up and I'm less likely to actually to achieve them. So I know from personal experience, what I, what motivates me is getting those key focus things done. So I, I diarise them for the beginning of the week, but it's sending it into support at EPP or progress log team that that, that hold the, that these focus sheets makes me accountable, makes our partners accountable for what I commit to do uh, because it's out there. So it works brilliantly well without it being a big stick, as I say. That's what we do on EPP. But if you're sat there thinking, yeah, but I haven't got that whole mechanism set up. Um, guys, you can just do what I do in terms of, you know, having that competition with my mate who we're both trying to lose the 10 kilos um, by a set date. It can be accountability with a friend. It can be accountability with your other half. It can be in whatever way you can hold yourself accountable you can you can put a tick chart on the wall in the kitchen every every day you come down to have your your morning coffee you can um tick and and cross what you've done and what you haven't done it's it's just having a way like pauline says of a visible way of tracking your progress and i think the more people you involve in it you know the the better here's a here's a challenge for you you could take a photo of that um, accountability chart every day and put it on Facebook and then you're letting wow. you're, you're letting your whole network know what you've done and what you haven't done um, and that reaction Pauline you know when something scares you it's often a sign that you should do it wouldn't that make you follow your plan so we've, we've gone from <laughs> zero accountability to a million percent accountability in in one little photograph every morning with your your, your morning coffee so just li, li, and again that's gaming it's gaming your psychology isn't it it's hacking your your um mentality to get the best results that you can achieve number eight is making goals emotive so i want to talk about something called ras reticular activating system now in a nutcase um you nutcase in a nutshell nutshell even <laughs> might be a bit of a nutcase but in a nutshell we're doing well with our uh, sayings and uh, uh, metaphors today so in a nutshell when you go out to buy a new car and you start looking in magazines and stuff you you often will identify i want this type of car in this color and then all of a sudden those models are all over the place and that color's all over the place and you're like wow where where have all those come from and um, of course they were there all the time it's just that your conscious brain can't cope with the vast majority of stimuli that are around us our, our conscious brain can only actually analyze about two percent of all the stimuli and i'm talking sounds and sights and tastes and smells etc what happens is our subconscious brain it's like a football net and it stops the majority of the stimuli that that we receive so you drive along the motorway you don't notice cars on the other side of the motorway but a blue flashing light on the other side of the motorway you would notice if you're driving along and let's use the name uh, the example of a new car you don't notice the cars on the other side of the the road but I guarantee you'd notice one that was the same make and model and color as yours. And that's because your RAS is set. So what happens is that football net has different size holes to let the different information that's pertinent to you. You can be in a whole room of people at a party. Maybe you're in a works meeting at number 10. Let's uh, get our phraseology. That's a very political joke, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, so you're at a works party with some wine and cheese. Um, and, um, there's a lot of hubbub going on and someone says, 
Frank. You will hear that. Turn and look at them. Um, I best not turn and look because I'll, I'll you won't hear me through the microphone. I'll go, I'll go really quiet. That was so funny. <laughs> I actually moved my head. I know. Uh, if you could see, if you could see me, I'm gesturing and everything. Um, but if they'd said Anthony. I wouldn't have even registered it, but my subconscious mind is programmed. I've programmed it over decades to listen out for Frank. And what we need to do is we need to get our subconscious mind focusing on the goals we want to achieve. So, and, and it sounds a bit woo woo, but actually when you think about the science, it makes complete sense. So let me use the same example from earlier with Maddie and the stepping stones in Albania. Maddie had written, and I'm sure she won't mind me um, sharing this, have started the pilot project for Stepping Stones in Albania. That was roughly what she'd written. And I said to her, I don't know what that means, Maddie. And we were all critiquing it together. I said, what does pilot phase mean? Does that mean you've got 10 investors that have all invested 100 grand? Does that mean you've got one house there that has got one family living in it does it mean that you've got five epp partners that are traveling there once a year to um promote the project what does it mean and i and the reason i said this is i said you've got five of us here sat here listening to that goal and we've heard the goal but none of us can help you achieve it and that's a bit like your raz you need to have it so clear that your subconscious mind can help you to achieve your goals. And so we actually set out what it meant. It meant at least two houses. It meant at least two families being housed. It meant at least one trip a year to that country. It meant having a nominated person in that country that we trusted that was heading up the project. And all of a sudden people around the table was like, ah, okay. So if I know anyone who lives in Albania, that can help with this project, you're interested in speaking to them. Oh, okay. So if I know someone who um, has set up a single household housing project in another country, you want to speak to them. And all of a sudden you could see how Maddie had given us, or if you want to think of it in terms of her own head, she'd given her subconscious mind the building blocks to go, this is what we're after. This is what we want more of. We want information regarding this. So my top tip is having emotional goals, putting emotion into your goals because your RAS, your reticular activating system, listens really closely to emotion. So I want to earn a hundred grand this year. It's not very emotional. I want to take my kids snowboarding to Canada for a whole month using 10% of the hundred grand I've earned this year is emotive. Now I'm excited about snowboarding with my kids in Canada and you could even take it a step forward. I'm at the top of the mountain in, uh, in Canada. We've just stopped for a hot chocolate and I can see my two sons snowboarding. I can hear them cutting the snow as they snowboard ahead of me down the piste to our slope Hmm, ski and ski out uh, hotel. <laughs> Couldn't think of, uh, uh, I meant a hotel on the slope. But now all of a sudden I've, I've got a picture. I'm actually smiling about it. I can hear the snow. I can feel the breeze and the icy cold on my cheeks. And I want to take my kids to, to Canada snowboarding now. But my point is it's got some emotion in it and my subconscious will listen to that way, way more and, and work a lot harder to make that happen. It will spot more opportunities for me than just, I want to, I want to earn a hundred grand this year. So making your goals emotional is really, uh, 
a big mistake because people don't believe it works, but boy, does it work. The last one is, um, and a lot of people will have heard this, this is around smart goal setting. So using smart language to set your goals. So smart is specific, S for specific, M for measurable, A for attainable, R for realistic, and T for time-bound. And it is a really clear way to ensure that you actually get what you want, that you don't get, you don't write a goal. And Maddie's goal wasn't particularly clear to start with. You know, if I look at Frank's example at the beginning when he talked about losing 10 kilos of fat, that's quite specific. He didn't say, I want to lose weight. It's the same. It's the same outcome. He weighs less, but actually, that his his him being specific about I want to lose ten kilos, which is measurable. You know whether you've got there or not, rather than I want to lose weight, which is has no measure attached to it. Your little mischievous genie that might sit on your shoulder, which is designed to have you achieve the goal, but not actually get you what you want. You could lose weight, and you might be unfortunately you might be ill in the process of losing weight that's not where you want to get to you want to be healthy and fit and for me I always want I I have (laughs) I always want to be toned supple and sexy that's what I always put in in my um my goal because for me that's (laughs) that's really that's really emotive yeah I'm like it's really clear like that it, it it drives me massively to 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 attain um a health goal whether that is losing a few pounds after Christmas or, or working out and, and toning up. So you want to be specific and you want to be measurable. You want to know, you want to be really clear. Someone else looking at you, did you achieve that goal or not? There's no ambiguity about it. And attainable, you know, is that, are you going to be able to achieve that? Frank talked about losing the the X number of kilos, he said, every every week or every month. You want to make sure that you can actually attain that in a healthy way as an example of the goal for losing weight realistic is around is are you going to be able to do that in the time frame and and obviously time bound is actually putting a date on it by a certain time that's what I'm going to achieve because if you don't put a date on it your unconscious mind just keeps it in the future does it you don't work towards it so there's a very although it's probably a bit overused for smart language they it works really really well and if you step back and say if I in setting that goal, if I achieve that, have I got what I want? Really got what I want? And the answer is no, then tweak your goal. Keep going at it and tweak your goal because we always start with our goals and then come back to the tasks that we do every week. So really getting your goals clear. And what happens over time is you start and whatever level you're at at goal setting and you get better and better and better and your goals get clearer you've got a lot more clarity around them so using smart language and also making them emotive as number eight as Frank talked about your why I always think about using emotive language why do I want that what's that going to give me what's that going to make available to me how am I going to feel when I, when I achieve that goal are the, are the two I think they're perhaps Maybe not the most critical ones, but they're certainly right up there as being really important. Ladies and gents, I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. I hope that we've given you some food for thought in terms of your goal setting and your planning for 2022. And if we can help in any way, if you think that you would like to find out more about the EPP system, then please don't hesitate to get in touch. And until next time, happy investing. Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment.